0: Welcome to the House of Pod, a show where we pull back the curtain on the world of medicine, we answer questions about your health, and we interview great guests. I'm Joe, and I'm not a doctor. And I'm Lizzie. And I'm Kaveh.
1: And we're two gastroenterologists.
0: What's a gastroenterologist?
1: You know, the doctors who work with your digestive system.
0: Say what? You know, your liver, your pancreas, your intestines. Where now?
1: Your butt, Joe. It's your butt.
0: Oh. On today's show, we have Sharky Liguana musician, CEO of Bandigo, and the president of the San Francisco Small Business Commission. He's here to talk to us about the economic ramifications of coronavirus and where we go from here. Stay tuned. So today with us, we have Sharky Liguana, he has made two previous appearances on our show, uh, first to discuss the health risks of, you know, a rock and roll lifestyle, and then on a second episode where he told us his own amazing medical story where he diagnosed himself with a very rare disease. Both are very good episodes. I recommend you check them out, 2021. But along with that, uh, I should mention that he is a musician. He is the CEO of Bandigo and Campago, and he is the president of the San Francisco Small Business Commission, which is the, although I would love to talk to him about music all day, and he was in my, uh, one of my top three favorite bands, that's true, of all time. That's not what he's here to talk about today. He's here to talk about small business, and in a time of COVID, how we can help. So Sharky, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Hey, uh, thank you for having me. And let me just say, like right at the outset, um, because this is maybe the best time to do it, um, that thank, thank you to both of you um, for your medical service. I know you both uh, participated in um, helping folks in New York. Uh, what an incredible service. What an incredible opportunity to be able to give that service. Um, But, uh, you know, on on behalf of everybody in San Francisco and everybody in New York, thank you.
1: That's very kind. I I went to New York. Kave is uh, not volunteering, voluntolding to to do work as a hospitalist in the hospitals taking care of COVID patients, not doing what he's trained to do, which is, you know, we, we like to do colonoscopy and like <laughs> diagnose like stomach ulcers. And like, that's not happening these days. So
0: no, I'm giving uh, everyone colonoscopies. We're going to find out how much good a colonoscopy can do for non-GI related issues. That's what I've been doing. But
1: I, I think stool transplants are the future of a COVID treatment.
2: Uh, you've, you've heard about the fecal pills, right? Like, right. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's people that are like, that's a you know maybe a valid uh, COVID treatment option.
0: There are GI related issues with COVID, um, liver issues and sort of intestinal issues. But right. you know, um, for the most part, yeah. When Lizzie was over in New York, she was working at Bellevue, which is one of the most impacted hospitals in the country. Um, here, thankfully, I've been doing work here, but it's it's been much better here. You know, knock on wood, because we did a really good job with that's physical right. distancing. Um, but that kind of brings me to the, the major thing I want to discuss with you, which is right. you know, the reason we've been able to be so successful here is because we've really shut things down. And we did yeah. it a little bit earlier. And even just a couple of days really made a big difference. So the question is, the first question I have for you is, what can we do in this time while we're still shut down to help small businesses? What What can people do cuz everyone online wants to do something. Everyone online wants to help. How can they help?
2: Well, um you know, if I'm being honest, uh probably the most impactful thing you can do to help um is let your congressperson know that small business needs help uh because uh, while I you know, you you see a lot of uh, folks saying uh, oh, you know, buy, uh, buy your stuff at the local store, uh, you know, give, give some money to this GoFundMe or that GoFundMe. Um, the reality is is this small business community, well, first of all, uh, small business employs m- more than half of the people that work in the United States. Uh, so it is much more diverse than just restaurants. Uh, or uh, uh, retail shops although those are certainly huge sectors but there's also professional services that's actually the biggest sector in small business so uh, uh, people that work in small accounting firms and dentists and doctors like yourselves there's all kinds of small businesses. There's, uh, many people, you know, with, uh, online businesses. I think a lot these days about, uh, you know, be as a former musician, I think a lot about, um, the artist and entertainment industry, which is, has just been, uh, beyond devastated. Uh, they would kill to be doing as well as the restaurants who are also devastated, but comparatively doing much better than the entertainment industry is. Uh, yeah. so, Um, from my perspective, uh, at this point, most, the vast majority of the help that the small business community will receive will, will by definition have to come from the federal government. And the only way that's going to happen, uh, it has been happening, uh, but the only way it's going to continue to happen and and the only way it's going to continue to happen in an equitable fashion is for voters to uh, indicate to their representatives that, that this is the help that's really needed. I know it's probably not the answer you were looking <laughs> for, but... but no, okay.
0: it has to be more than just buying like coupons from your favorite restaurant to use later or gift cards and that sort of thing, which we've been trying to do with our favorite local restaurants here in San Francisco, but we know that's very limited.
1: So, you're, I mean, you're speaking, you know, we introduced you and Kaveh mentioned it, but you're speaking not only as a small, the San Francisco Small Business Commissioner, but also as a small business owner, right? You are the founder and CEO of Campago and Bandago. I've used Campago. They're awesome vans to go camping okay. or travel. Um, how are you personally, like you're feeling it, right? I mean, I'm, there's no way people are renting your camper vans and traveling at this time. So you know from personal experience that they're suffering, right?
2: Well, you know, the... The camper vans are 12 vans out of a fleet of 600. Um, so, um, and actually, uh, sup- you know, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, we're renting m- more camper vans. Those 12 vans are rented more often than the other 600 combined. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, the, the problem, you know, for me is, is I'm doubly hit. Uh, So one is I'm in the travel industry and the travel industry has just been uh, wiped out. But I'm in the travel industry servicing the music industry. (laughs) Man. You know, uh, our revenue has dropped 99%. Um, What this means for me personally is actually really quite scary. Um, And I mean, aside from... Uh, having to lay off most of our staff within just a matter of days. Um, You know, they shut down on the 16th by the 20th. It was untenable. There was no way, you know, we weren't going to make it to April. Um, And we had to just immediately lay people off. Wow. Uh, We're now at mid-April. The PPP money just came in. Um, We had maybe another week left, even with a fraction of the staff that we had previously.
1: That's the federal money. Right. That's
2: the right. federal money. Correct. Um, and, you know, I I sound pretty calm and blasé about it right now, um, but I don't think it's it's hard to convey even with tone. or Like, there's only so long you can run around with your head cut off, like, you know, sounding like really freaked out and stressed out. And at, at some point you sort of revert to this is the new normal. And the new normal is... Um, I am, uh, it's a little bit like the coyote in Roadrunner when he like runs out and then the cliff drops out from under him and then he's in the air and he just kind of is standing there and he like looks around. Um, you just
1: give up. You give up and you feel numb. <laughs> like yeah, you're just
2: you're, done. Just, I'm standing in the air. The ground yeah. has been wiped out from com- completely under me. And yet, you know, I'm still here. I'm still, uh, breathing, thankfully. Um, I, I, I don't feel... Uh, resentful or upset about my situation I I feel like I've been in worse situations Um, and yet I'm completely and totally bankrupt I'm I'm completely upside down Um, and because of how asset intensive our our company is um, I'm more than bankrupt Uh, you know it's at the bank's option whether they want to force the sale of my home It's at the bank's option. They can take retirement savings. They can take kids' uh, college savings. None of it is safe because every small business owner, when they borrow money, they have to sign personal guarantees. And I don't, you know, this is kind of like my new big message um, because I, I actually don't think many people in the small business community have the light bulbs clicked on yet. Um, that this is a real threat and a real concern. Uh, but you know, on day one, I had a lender reminding me of, of my personal guarantee. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, what, what can I do? The revenue is now zero. Yeah, uh, I've got, I've got nothing. I've got no card to play here. I can't, you know, it, in the vehicle rental business you would say to yourself, well, you know, there's no revenue. So we'll sell some vans to, uh, generate some cash. I can't sell the vans either.
1: It's going to buy. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: There's no buyer and there's actually no market. They've shut down all the auctions.
1: Mm.
2: So, you know, all the exits are closed. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, all you can do is you can be like Wally Coyote, just sort of standing in the air with a puzzled look on your face. Mm. Uh, and, uh, wondering how, how is this all going to play out? And this is, you know, my story is far from unique. It is every single one of my colleagues in in the independent car rental industry world. And it's actually, of course, true to a certain degree among much larger companies. Uh, and, uh, you know, restaurants are are really the most visible victims because we all go out to them constantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's this whole universe of, uh, small businesses that just aren't very visible to us, uh, who are just as affected or, or, or more so. Um, and there's just not enough, uh, you know, money in, 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 in consumers' pockets to, to fix this. Um, but I love
1: that on day one, you got the phone call from the collector. That's the most important part of that story. That's like insane. You know, that guy has a job and we will have a job every day throughout this crisis. That's so sad to hear. Well, know?
2: look, I mean, you're, you're a lender um, and it, it wasn't a collector. It was the president of the bank. Um, but um, you're a lender. You have millions of dollars um, tied up with your customer and your customer is saying, I can't you know, uh, in our case, we had monthly debt service of around $700,000 a month. So, um, you know, we were hanging on by our fingernails before the virus hit. Uh, after the virus hit, it was just e- immediately upside down. There's no way we're gonna be able to service that debt. It's impossible. Uh, I don't have that kind of money. Uh, you so know, I, so yeah. you mentioned,
0: you mentioned how there is some federal response. what What is happening now federally, and what do you think needs to happen? <clears throat>
2: well so if it had been up to me if 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 I was Trump and decided I was king of the economy, <laughs> um, and took a Trumpian approach. At, at a minimum, at least you could have taken a smart Trumpian approach. I know that's not Trumpian at all, but...
1: Um, See moron.
2: Yeah, right. Um, what I would have recommended is a complete freeze on everything. Um, all credit, all debit. Um, mortgage. Mortgage. Nobody owes anybody anything. It's like time stops. Uh, then have government make sure that essential service workers get paid. Um, and everybody else, uh, you know, it's, it's all either, uh, you have no real obligation and any sort of minor obligations, obviously you'll have to take care of that out of savings, or whatever, but get, you know, in that situation, then a, a $1,200 payment or a $600 payment from the government. Okay. That's all you need is, is just, you know, Distribute food and energy, uh, and shelter, and every put us just put a stop to everything else because it, it, you may have heard the phrase "turtles all the way down." That's what's essentially happening with uh, uh, the credit, uh, and 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 what we're seeing uh, in fairly quickly, and I think it'll it'll pick up speed as time goes along. Is this a string of defaults, right? So we're a small company; we default. You put put us together with a bunch of other companies, and we all default. Now the bank defaults. The bank defaults. Now um, upstream, you know, maybe there's a uh, uh, shareholders that start defaulting, or bondholders, or uh, or you know, or, or it starts to be a run on the FDIC, uh, and you know, it, it starts getting to a, a pretty scary place. In, unless you do, which, you know, what the government is doing is you pump lots of money into it. So, but the problem is it's very expensive because you're you're propping everything up in a very ad hoc and it's all based on how good your, your lobbying teams are. Um, and it's not distributed evenly, which is exactly what we're seeing now, right? Like um, for some reason, Trump is fixated on saving the cruise industry. Um, oh, but uh, what, you know, Less than five percent of their employees are even u um, s citizens. Uh, right. so um, it's it's sort of uh, you know it doesn't quite match up. Uh, but you know this is where we're at. I mean, I think for most businesses, absent uh, or for many small businesses, absent federal aid, there's no path to survival. Um, you 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 can't stop paying the rent. Um, well, in some cases you have landlords that are willing to work with you. And in other cases you don't, um, you certainly will, you know, we have one large loan that's out there and they're like, we'll give you a 90 day, um, skip. I'm like 90 days. Okay. That's super helpful. Thank you. And then I get the bill and they're still charging 40,000 a month in interest. I just don't have to pay it. (laughs) And I'm like, great, at the end of 90 days, I'll be $120,000 more in debt than when this all started. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and then that's on top of, you know, the federal aid, most of which is a loan that has to be paid back. PPP is not, but um, that only helps me with employees and and rent somewhat. It doesn't help me with debt servicing. It doesn't help me with um, repairs on vehicles or, you know, any of our sort of ongoing expenses. So, it's just really hard to see a path to the other side. And I know so many small businesses are in the same boat. Uh, you know, when you've either lost your employees or you've lost, you, you have no idea when your customers are going to return or you've incurred a lot of debt, um, you know, it stacks up so quickly when you have no revenue. I saw an interesting quote from uh, uh, a person. Uh, business leader the other day said we pay yesterday's bills with today's money. And so what happens is if you don't have today's money coming in, not only do you owe yesterday's bills, but you owe today's bills. Yeah. Uh, and if that continues for very long, then, uh, you know, there's nothing there. And, and most small businesses do not have cash reserves. They're on very small margins, uh, profit margins. Um, uh, Certain, that was certainly true for us. And we just have no sort of provision to, to get through this. On the other hand, and this is, you know, something else to sort of keep in mind, many small businesses, most, including ours, are fully behind the shutdown.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've, I, I, you must be, it must be such a hard spot for you because we, you know, for whatever good or bad, there's plenty of work for Lizzie and I. And we're like, you know, we're we're plenty busy. Um, we don't have to think about that component of it as much. I mean, certainly the economy hurts everyone, but mm-hmm. you know, we're we're so preoccupied with what it's ahead of us right now and just dealing with the patients and and the the pandemic. Um, it's really, I mean, it's really eye opening to hear what you have to say about this. I mean, really, and it's and it's scary. You know, we, it's something that. Uh, you know, we think about too, and I'm sure people like Fauci, people who are talking about opening up the, the medical leaders that we have now, I'm sure they're taking that into account, but it's, it's, um, it really does paint a very stark picture and it's, and it's scary. And it's something that I, we have, to, you said, you said it perfectly well. We have to voice everyone, even those that aren't part of that community of small business needs to voice the importance um, in, in, it, it related you've talked about the federal response what is the state's response and and what can it do what can the state do in these situations
2: well you know the uh, we're blessed living in california and doubly blessed living in san francisco um we we hit the jackpot in terms of quality leadership um and uh you know that's You know, admittedly, uh, a personal opinion, but but it's one I feel is very strong. Um, You know, we have uh, in Governor Newsom and and Mayor Breed two very uh, highly qualified public servants who really um, are rising up to the situation and um, doing a lot of very proactive thinking and solving uh, and addressing a lot of uh, problems. Simultaneously in real time, it makes my head spin. I mean, just, I, I had no experience in government till last year when I was uh, appointed to the small business commission, just managing my little tiny corner of the world, um, which is San Francisco small business. I am on the phone nonstop all day long, um, thinking nonstop all day long, um, and trying to motivate and activate, um, and coordinate with, with everybody else. And that's just <clears throat> San Francisco small business community. I can't imagine if I also had to manage the public health response. Um, and uh, at the same time, kind of keep all the normal levers of government moving, you know, uh, uh, the lights got to stay on, the garbage has to get collected and all this stuff. So the first thing I want to say to answer your question is, is the state, Um, and then to jump ahead to the next question, the city um, have both been, uh, I think, admirably um, thoughtful about doing what they can to help small business. But the reason why I focus on the federal response is our state, like many states, has a voter mandate that says we cannot spend more money than we take in in tax revenue. So we cannot go into debt. Um, and California has a rainy day fund. Uh, it's I think 19 billion. Um, somebody can correct me on the exact amount later, but, um, somewhere around there. And, uh, San Francisco also had a, 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 small amount of, of, uh, cash reserves. Neither, uh, of those funds is remotely sufficient to help small business in the state. Um, and in the city. And on top of that, we also have this whole public health crisis that um, is very expensive and will take a lot to deal with. Uh, So, you know, one thing that the city has done is is tried to uh, round up outside contributors from from private industry. So they have give to sf.com or maybe it's .org, I forget. and that's raised millions of dollars, uh, which is then being distributed to small businesses in terms of grants. Um, there's been all kinds of uh, legislative stuff to make it easier, uh, ranging from uh, uh, refunding workers' comp, um, and, and uh, you know, since you don't have the workers anymore, um, extending uh, or deferring tax deadlines. Uh, but in terms of the aid that small business actually needs, which is either forgiveness or a grant on our debts, uh, unfortunately, the the, the city and, and, and the state are both fairly limited in what they can do to address that without going into debt, and, and they're legally prohibited from doing that. That's um
1: yeah. So it's a lot of federal support that's needed. I didn't know that about California or San Francisco. So thank you, because um, you're you're our expert now. We're gonna have to get you back on many many times. Um, and it's also really wonderful for you to say that you support the shelter in place, even though you're bankrupt and scr- struggling. You know, that's like um, just really again thoughtful and just responsible. I mean, I know it's the right answer. It just sounds terrible because obviously the world. And you personally, and and the countries in such a conflict, um, you know those Wisconsin voters didn't want to have to choose between voting and their health. Um, so, how do you, what do you define then as essential businesses? We know grocery stores, um, doctors, hospitals, things like that. What do you define as the most important? And what, how do you see us coming out of this shelter-in-place? I know you're not an epidemiologist or Dr. Fauci's, you know, um, colleague, but Like what do you, what could you envision being the first small businesses to kind of get back?
2: This is a really uh, salient question. Um, I just learned uh, yesterday that I've been appointed by the mayor to the San Francisco Economic Recovery Task Force. Um, Mm. Nice. This is more than a hypothetical question for me. Um, It's a a question I have to uh, engage with on a very serious level. It's your job. Let's do it. It, it, Unfortunately, it's not a paying job.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no.
2: no. (laughs) Mm. Man. Yeah. uh, You know, government works the best. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So anyways, um, no, I mean, honestly, I mean, just as a brief aside, I am actually so grateful for the opportunity to serve on the commission um, and the opportunity to serve on the city, I don't care that it doesn't pay anything because honestly, um, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this. It feels great to do something for your community um, and to have that to focus on um, instead of just, you know, how shitty everything is (laughs) um, has been a huge lifesaver Uh, just to have something else to think about, to, you know, it's, and I, I would say this to anybody that's listening, if you can find any way to engage with helping your community, it is such a blessing for your personal psychology. Uh, there's nothing more you can do to help yourself more than help others. Uh, so um, anyways, that's my uh, uh, a, a, a appeal to that uh, for the moment. But um, yeah. the recovery. So um you know, there's a lot of debate about uh, what defines an, an essential business, um, and uh, not uh, certainly a, a fair amount of lobbying too. Um, and sometimes you find some businesses that maybe from don't appear to be particularly essential, but um, do appear to be particularly adept at being politically connected, um, and. Uh, uh what is essential tends to change dependent on geography like for instance uh in the bible belt we've seen churches be defined as as essential hmm. businesses um, interesting yeah which is um you know seems sort of counterproductive to the productive health uh effort right, <laughs> right. uh but um, uh you know everything in in I mean government is really just a, a reflection of the people they represent uh, and so um, in, inevitably the policies are, are are often going to be a reflection of, of those people so um, essential is is you know a, a subjective analysis I mean I think we can all agree that groceries are essential and and uh, gas stations are essential and and hospitals are essential um, you know i'd hope we'd we'd be able to agree even that you know like bike repair stores are essential um and then you know the farther away you get from food and shelter the more sort of uh vague it, it gets food shelter transportation i mean my industry is considered essential uh, but uh you know i have friends that have uh, you know small factories uh you know they they make purses. They're not essential. They switched to making masks. Now they're essential. Like it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's just uh, what you're doing mm-hmm. in in terms of recovery though. Um, I, I think the, probably the right way to think about it is, is um, you know, to very simply look at this in terms of an X and Y axis, right? So your Y axis is um, how um how, how important is it, uh, to the economy? Um, so, you know, assuming we're going to start to open things up, uh, it's less relevant whether something is, uh, you know, uh, going to save our lives or, you know, be a, a food related thing. And probably more important, you know, what does it mean for our economy? So that's our Y axis. Right. Um, and, and by, I mean, beneficial to the economy, I mean, uh, net additive, Uh, in terms of economic output. So that, that can mean different things, right? Like a a casino is not really net additive, um, but uh, something that employs a lot of people, uh, you know, might be, uh, you know, construction might be net additive, right? So your X axis would be how dangerous is it to allow this company to operate? So, Danger uh, would simply be its its impact on on social distancing, uh, and uh, you know that's that's another sort of thing we have to control for, right? Like, so if if you have a a, a business that, say, for instance, a movie theater, um, em- employs a lot of people, um, maybe not on a per location basis, but when you think about the film industry, uh, and, and all of the the money comes out of it. It's, it certainly has a big economic impact, but very dangerous to have a movie theater uh, in a uh, in the early stages of a of a recovery. You know, I think when we think about reopening things, um, we want to find that balance between um, economic impact and and danger to the public. And you know, uh, there's a really there's an interesting tension that we're having here uh be- between uh you know how many people getting sick um and kind of more uh, awfully but still a relevant question how many people dying is acceptable um in order to have a functioning economy
0: can i ask you a question would this be a crazy idea like Because I do believe that there's a, it's this likely will become something akin to like a cold, flu, and coronavirus season. It'll probably be endemic. We'll probably see it again, is my guess. If if that were to hold, if that were to be the case, could we then maybe do some variation of what we're doing on an annual basis, like say once every couple, uh, one month out of every year when it's really we think that's really going to hit peak season, everyone's gonna get hurt. Could we do like a seasonal shutdown of things where everyone accepts that we're gonna limit services to certain things, there will be outdoor seating in restaurants, not indoor seating, et cetera. Is that conceivable?
2: Well, so first is, yeah, it's conceivable actually. I mean, to be honest, I'm quite surprised at how much we've been able to shut down, uh, you know, this time around. Um, I I mean, if you take a, if, if you look at the glasses as half full, uh, it's really quite remarkable uh, how much uh, America has adapted and responded. Many people did not think that we would uh, be able to take it to this level. So I think it is possible, um, but I think there's a, a you know another question we need to be able to ask and answer before we can even tackle that, which is um, can we build up antibodies? Um, uh, to the coronavirus. It, the available evidence with, with other viruses seems to indicate yes, but the jury is definitely still out uh, with respect to this one. Um, you know, is uh, we've never had a vaccine for a coronavirus before. We know it's an incredibly complex thing, but is it possible? Um, uh, my friend uh, Nevin Krogan is uh, working on, a, on a, a different approach, which is uh, attacking the host. Um, actually, making it um, hard for the uh, coronavirus to to get a hold in your body by uh, uh, degrading how it it it's, uh, interacts with your body. Um, and so there might be uh, like almost like an anti-vaccine uh, treatment that that is effective. And then and then finally, there may be um, effective treatments or cures. Any one of those things could really change the math quite a bit on whether or not we have to do a a periodic shutdown. But um, assuming that we don't build immunity, assuming that we don't come up with a a valid treatment uh, or an effective treatment, then I don't really think we're gonna have a choice. Uh, We're going to need to be able to turn the lever up. And and that's kind of what I was alluding to with sort of evaluating uh, what businesses can we afford to lose? What businesses do we wanna hang on to? Um, for as long as possible and, and how do we turn the the volume knob up and the volume knob down uh, depending on the um, uh, how, how present the, the virus is uh, and then the other question is how wide of a geographic region do you want to apply that that knob to is, is it enough to do it at the city level or does it have to be done at the state or, or the federal level
1: It's so hard to know because the flu, I mean, we know there's shifting and drifting every year and we don't, we don't have that down yet. And yet we feel like we had it down, you know, but we know everyone gets vaccines. It only works 20, 30, 40% of the time. So it is interesting to know what will happen if this, if there's genetic mutations shifting and drifting, you know.
2: Well, I mean, you know, one 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 thing we can take some solace in is uh, I, I think if memory serves, the the flu, the the genetic drift is is fairly rapid. It's like every three four days, um, and coronaviruses are like every 20, 30 days. Um, so, um, and and every little, you know, when I talk about genetic drift or, or DNA drift, it's uh, you know, you're, you're changing just one letter in a long chain, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the time it doesn't really have an impact, but for the flu it's just enough of an impact that last year's vaccine won't be effective against this year's flu. But we do have all of us a certain degree of natural immune response to the flu. Our bodies recognize it. They know what antibodies to create. Uh, the coronavirus, because it's completely novel, I can't believe I'm lecturing doctors with doctors. But what the what got into my head? Um, <laughs> this is
0: awesome. <laughs> no, no, you're doing you're 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 nailing it. Um, the only thing I would add is that mutations and uh, evolution of the virus isn't always necessarily a bad thing. We always assume that means it's going to be really bad. It's going to become more scary. That right. might not be the case. It'll probably it could, and it's a very good chance it could mellow out. I mean, that's what happened with the Spanish flu eventually it mellowed down to a different strain where it wasn't quite as deadly. And that could happen here. I mean, if you are a smart virus and you really want to propagate, that's a pretty good way to do it. You know, um,
2: well, it's good and bad. Right. Like so on the good side, uh, the mu- it um, there's a 50 percent chance that it mutates to be better. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, a fifty percent chance that it mutates to be worse. It's, it's, it's But the, the overwhelming majority of mutations will have a- absolutely no impact at all because most of them don't actually impact uh, disease severity or um, uh, how infectious it is. But what's, what's bad, what's good about it mutating slowly, is that it gives us a better chance to uh, potentially develop vaccines or treatments that are effective Uh, because if it's mutating fast we're we're we're, we have a harder time catching up the bad side of it that is that right now it's really bad which means it's not going to mutate quickly to something that's not bad um so if uh the 1918 uh spanish flu took uh two years uh to get to a space where uh, you know, it suddenly transformed to something less uh, destructive, then that would imply, you know, uh, assuming, and of course it's it's not applicable, but like if the coronavirus followed the same path at the same rate, then it it would take us eight years to get there. Um, so it's good and it's bad. I, 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 I definitely don't think we should lighten up on, uh, uh, investigating vaccine options. And, um, I, and I think we should be, nobody's asking me for where we should allocate medical resources or, or direct medical policy. But uh, if they were, I would say continue to invest heavily in treatment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's probably going to be the most uh, viable path of, of having an impact. Uh, and if we can get it down to, oh, you get your your antiviral or retroviral shot, you know, the minute you feel sick. Uh, and then we as a society, society also develop um, cultural norms that are a lot more based around washing hands. And, right. you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to, uh, you know, uh, there's this whole social thing where, where um, you greet someone and you kiss them on the cheek. I think that's out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Persian custom of the double cheek kiss is probably out at least for the foreseeable future um and handshaking right
1: handshaking. well
0: mm-hmm. yeah well uh yeah first of all i could i could do without the handshake i'm already over it i was over it before all this <laughs> but um sharky uh thank you so much we're gonna have to close up now before my children who are being reined in in the other room running in and destroy this recording mm-hmm. um but i want to say you have a really daunting huge task ahead of you um and we really appreciate you doing this for us here in San Francisco. I have to say you are also uniquely positioned and skilled to sort of deal with this because you know small business better than anyone else I know. And you also, for a small business guy, have a really great understanding of science that somehow you taught yourself because you're uh-huh. smart and it makes me sick. So thank you for your service for us here in the city of San Francisco.
2: Like I said, it's, um, it's something I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do. It makes me feel better, gives me something else to focus on. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, and we'll, we'll just close on this. Um, there's been moments in my life where I walked on stage and the first thing I did right before I walked on stage was throw up um, because I felt so nervous and so worried. Um, that, you know, it wasn't good enough, or, um, you know, we were going to fail, or we were going to flop. And sometimes we had some great shows, and some, sometimes they, they were worth throwing up over. They were, you know, total disaster. But, um, you know, what's been really interesting for me throughout this whole experience is, uh, you know, I got elected as, as president of the commission on January 26th, uh, um, so I went from joining the commission less than a year prior to being president. Um, and, uh, you would think, uh, you know, of course I had a moment of imposter syndrome, like, what am I even doing here? And, uh, you know, I, I, but, you know, once this hit, uh, this weirdest thing, I've never felt it in my life, but just total sense of, um, I'm really comfortable in this moment uh i'm i'm really like i feel totally fine about being the person doing this job uh and and that is just an extraordinary feeling to have that I, I don't think i've ever had in my life um certainly not when the stakes are this high but uh i do feel um ready for this moment uh i've told people i feel like i made a platinum and steel uh i'm i'm just i'm ready to fight this thing i'm ready to th- give it everything i got And I don't really have a lot of shame and embarrassment about, um, you know, my shortcomings, which of course I have gazillions of them. But um, yeah,
1: yeah. we thank you. I mean, you're volunteering your time. You're doing this because you think it's the right thing to do, and hopefully there'll be less vomit in your future if you're feeling comfortable. (laughs) Otherwise, please come see one of us GI doctors. Um, That's right. But it sounds, you know, it sounds like you're the right place, you're the right time, and I think sounds like you're saying you're benefiting, and I know as San Francisco. Um, you know, people with homes in San Francisco and lives and jobs and families in San Francisco, it sounds like uh, we're going to benefit as well. So thank you.
2: Great. Well, and I appreciate, of course, all the service you guys are doing, treating patients in both New York and San Francisco um, and just stay on it. And that's how we're going to get through it, really. It's just all of us being in a community and uh, um, doing everything we can to help each other and, and bring out the best in each other. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Sharky. Everyone listen to Creeper Lagoon. Download some <laughs> Creeper Lagoon songs. Get him, uh, get, get Sharky a couple extra bucks in royalties. Come on.
2: Oh, nice. pennies, pennies, pennies. pennies. Yeah.
0: But it's great music, so they should listen to it anyway. We have to All help right, Sharky. feed Sharky.
1: We got to help feed him. Listen. Yeah. Feed the Sharky.
0: Feed the Sharky. <laughs> All
1: right. Okay, guys. Thanks, Sharky. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: there's a new segment on the show i want to do which is where basically i play music and make professional musicians listen to me
1: oh no you're embarrassing you're embarrassing me
2: i'm gonna eat cheerios while you eat while you eat which is what any audience member ever did for me, for me. <laughs> wow
0: The opinions on this podcast are broadcasted for educational and informational purposes only and do not represent the opinions of our employers. These opinions are not intended as a diagnosis, treatment, or as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a local physician or other healthcare professional for your specific healthcare and or medical needs or concerns. All antidotes and patient related details have been changed with respect to date, sex and certain details so that patient identification is not possible.